This podcast is a part of the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. Hey, it's Seamus from Newhoff Media Lafayette, and this is Inside Our Towns, the podcast about the people and places that make our communities great. Season 1, Episode 4. It's brought to you by Arconic Lafayette. If it flies or drives, we are on it. Arconic is the leader in production of world-class aluminum products that transform the way we fly, drive, and build. Today's episode, we're talking about the Columbian Park Zoo. And since I don't know enough about it, I got my friend, Courtney Nave, who is the assistant education director at the zoo, uh, on the phone with us right now. Courtney, first off, how are you doing today? Oh, Seamus, it is a pleasure to talk to you. You know what? I am doing great. I work at a fantastic place. I love my job. I can't complain. How many years have you been there now? It seems like 50, but I'm, I'm since I know you're not that old, how many years have you been there? It's really odd because it feels like it's been the blink of an eye, but forever, all at the same time. So this is actually my 14th year here at the zoo. I started in 2008, and I tell you what, I have no plans to leave anytime soon. This is where I love the community, the zoo. This is great. Well, I think that your passion for the zoo is one of the reasons that it's so great. I mean, you really do really get into it, especially when we start talking about animals. Um, you're doing what you love, and that's awesome. That's really good. Uh, all of us look for that, hopefully. Um, all right, well, let's start with a little history. Sure. A little history lesson on the Columbian Park Zoo, which has been there longer than 14 years. Longer than 14 <laughs> years, actually. Yeah, it goes back way before me, actually way before a lot of people consider, you know, when they think of the zoo, they just kind of imagine when they have had experiences with it. But we can actually be traced back to the late 1800s. <laughs> wow. Are you kidding me? I am not kidding. So back then, of course, Lafayette looked very different. But as the community and the town continued to build, we had this beautiful green space located right next to this budding downtown area. Um, and so they, they thought about building this beautiful lagoon. And so the first thing that was built here was this lagoon. And, and fun fact, it was actually created to be that weird shape that it is to be the letter G. And that was to honor the mayor. At the time, uh, Dr. Glick was the Lafayette mayor back in the late 1800s. And so that's why the lagoon has that shape today. I've never even noticed that. It, I mean, I knew it was a weird shape, but I was like, <laughs> yeah. ah, it's just kind of how they decided. It. So it's a letter G. So it, it is supposedly the letter G now with all the renovations and all the improvements that they're making now. I'm not quite sure. I think it's going to continue to look a little bit like that, but that's kind of where the history was. And then you know, you think later in the 1800s, about the 1890s, is when some of the things that people still see today started. So the Columbian Park, the actual name, uh, came from the World's Fair up in Chicago. Okay. And so we were named Columbian Park. Uh, the Boathouse, so where the park's office is right now, the one with the, you know, all the windows over the water and on the lagoon, that was built in 1893. Um, and then Rush Pavilion opened in 1899. So that was kind of the start of something special here in Columbian Park. So over 120 years ago. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the 40s. I ain't going to lie to you. <laughs> I know, right? And that's, well, that's when a lot of people made the good memories because that was kind of the boom of when we added so many of what you see here now. So the zoo itself is the second oldest zoo in Indiana. So we opened in 1908. That was our founding. Okay. 
So we've been here for a long time, and originally the zoo looked nothing like it does today. We had a lot of uh, native species, so species that can be found here in Indiana. We had you know, fox and skunk and deer and things like that. Um, and over the last 100 years, as the zoo industry itself has changed and grown and developed, so have we. And so we've added the animal house. Of course, when you come and Seamus, I'm sure you've been here and you've oh, yeah. seen that big building that houses right now. The, the monkeys are there. It used to have our, our cougar, Columbo, the cougar lived there, that great big brick building. That's the oldest one we still have on grounds. 1928 is when that was built. Have you been able to see pictures? Like, are there pictures around of what the zoo looked like back then? There are. We have some internal historic pictures that we have every once in a while. Local uh, media, news media will kind of run stories and run some old pictures. But it's fascinating to look and see what we were and how we continue to develop and grow and, and things like that. If you go, if actually, if your listeners would go to our website, columbianparkzoo.org, a lot of this information is on the website along with some of those uh, kind of historic pictures, some things that will spark some memories from the 40s and 50s. That is amazing. All right, you're listening to Inside Our Towns, the podcast about the people and places that make our communities great, brought to you by Arconic Lafayette. If it flies or drives, we are on it. All right, so now we have a little bit of a history lesson. Let's talk about some new stuff, um, because I know last year was a wash for the zoo, like a lot yeah. of different places. I mean, unfortunately, and you got all these animals that just want to be looked at and just want to be you know, experienced, and they took a year off. So now we're back to it, and uh, talk about some of the new things that are going on at the zoo right now. Oh, of course, listen, we couldn't be more excited. I think 2020 threw everybody for a loop, but... Some people don't understand that, you know, even during the winter or the off-season of a regular year, our staff is here 365 days a year, every single day, taking care of these animals, and it was no different uh, during that past year. We may not have had as many visitors or experiences as we wanted, but the staff here is just intensely dedicated to these animals and taking care of them. So we were here, uh, but it is wonderful to look ahead and kind of think back to doing what we love, and that is inviting people to come in and see and learn about and care about the animals that we have in our collection. And so we've actually just opened yep. for the season back on April uh, 17th. We have been incredibly busy, which is fantastic. And the animals are no doubt putting on their, you know, putting their best foot forward. And we've got just some fun times in plan for this year. And I'm sure... One of the things everyone wants to talk about is penguins, right? Let's start with the penguins, yes. Don't, let's not bury the lead. We got penguins. We got penguins. Well, okay, so <laughs> we don't way. have them quite yet. Of right. course, last year was a, a bust for getting them here because of shipping concerns and, and holdups due to COVID and things like that. We're ready. We uh, have their exhibit ready. Everything is set. And our little bird friends in California, we're getting them from California, have decided now's the perfect time molt. And if you don't know what molting is for penguins, it's not called a catastrophic molt for nothing. They literally lose every single feather at the same time. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and regrow it so that they have better waterproofing. It takes place every year, but during that molt, we can't transport them because they're so sensitive to temperature and climate and changes that they really could get sick 
quite easily. So as soon as they have their formal gear back on and ready, we do anticipate this summer that the birds will make an appearance. And we're getting nine of them, Seamus. Wow. We're so excited. And they're African black-footed penguins, which is great for me as an educator because it's actually an endangered species. And what that gives me the opportunity to do is to connect people to these amazing animals. And not only that, but give them hints and a helpful guidance on what we can do, what part we can play in protecting these animals that are maybe under stress and in the wild, they're losing their population numbers. So we are just excited to have them here and we know we're going to smell like fish all the time. So building an exhibit for penguins is a lot different than building one for like uh, prairie dogs. So what went into getting that exhibit ready for these penguins? It was intense. So it's not just a, you know, we decide we want penguins, let's start building something. It is researching just from the ground up what these birds need, what their habitat is, what their temperature range is, what kind of substrate, so what kind of ground do they need, what kind of filtration system do we need to keep their water cooled and chilled, how do we provide aeration into their water so that it's habitable for them. So all these things start with kind of a brainstorm. We bring in, believe it or not, there is an entire industry of zoo um, architects who comes in and designs these exhibits with all of that knowledge. So we worked with them, we worked with contractors, we worked with landscapers, and through just many, many partnerships, uh, we were able to come up with what we think is going to be an, an amazing and a really interactive, exciting exhibit for people to watch. So bottom line, it went from conception to realization over a couple of years not over a couple of months. It took a long time. What are the what are the most visited? I mean, obviously the penguins are going to be the big draw as soon as they get here. I mean, it's right. going to be it's it's going to be a zoo. Anyway, <laughs> well, literally, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm sure that joke never ever never, happens. Never tell it to us all the time. You know what? We love those jokes. It's fine. <laughs> I didn't mean to. It just happened. Um, but what are the most visited exhibits? I mean, the penguins will be. But what are the what are your mainstays that that everyone like? I have to see every time I go to the zoo. Have to see. We probably have top two, and the number one would be the Wallaby Walkabout. I love because it because there's just no other place locally that you can walk right, feel immersed, kind of in that Australia habitat, see these animals up close, and the fact that we usually have joeys in the pouch it just makes it even more exciting. You never know what you're going to see in there, and then of course the tried and true, the trusty goats in the farm. Mm -hmm. People love those goats. And as soon as the babies start coming, then it doubles in popularity. Uh, and that's coming up actually in early May. We're expecting to have some babies. That is awesome. Now, one of the things that maybe not everyone knows about is you guys' camps. Are you going to be able to do camps this year? We are. So we've got a plan in place. I tell you, we have a really robust education department because we don't want people to just see these animals. We want to foster connections. We want, to, we want people to care about these animals, and it starts young. So we've developed all these programs for kids to get involved and get active, and that includes our summer camps. And, yes, we are able to safely provide our summer camps this season. We cannot wait. They've got different themes each each week is a different theme, but the thing that stays constant is 
you get to meet cool animals, you get to hang out with awesome teachers, and you just really have a fun experience where we sneak a little bit of ninja learning in <laughs> during the <laughs> summer months. And they're very popular. Now, are they open yet for sign-up, or is that, is, are, they, are you guys waiting on that? Yeah, no, they are incredibly popular. At this point, we have wait lists. Yeah. They are full, and we've got wait lists going for almost all of our camps. The best way to check out in real time what we have available is to go to our website, and there's a link that takes you to our online registration system, and you can view not only the camps but any other programs that we have. And um, you're also able to purchase memberships, Zoom memberships, through that online platform as well. So we're excited. We're always popular. But, I mean, when you've got animals and cool science stuff, that's kind of what happens. We're really excited. Now, new to this year, you guys do have a small admission uh, charge for the zoo this year, correct? We do, yes. And we see it as an amazing way to invest into our future. If you've not seen kind of the master plan of what we hope to accomplish kind of in the end phases of our growth, you should really take a look because we've got some amazing things still in store for the zoo, including, you know, new primate exhibits, hopefully an aviary, some Africa species. Um, And so all that's coming, but we can't do it without continued financial growth. Um, And so we hope that this affordable admission fee can help us maintain that high quality of care and these beautiful exhibits here. Um, And right now is the best time to join because our memberships are discounted uh, until May 17th. And that gets you, you know, if you purchase a family membership, it allows unlimited access to the zoo for the entire open season this year. And for only $35, that's a great way to show that you care and you're committed to the zoo and to make sure you can always get in here to see your favorite animals. Well, and and just like last year, you know, you guys had to cancel a lot of events. Uh, The Zoo and Run was not the same as last year, but the zoo was not the same as last year. Two great events that you guys do um, that raise a lot of money, and obviously that goes right back into it. But I don't think anyone's going to be complaining about a small admission fee. But um, what would you love, what animal would you love to see at the zoo? Ooh, okay. All right, so... I have animals that I want to see, and then I have animals that we feasibly could house mm-hmm. here. <laughs> so if budget and space were no limits, my very favorite animal in the world is a pygmy hippopotamus. A pygmy hippopotamus, which is a smaller hippopotamus, right? It's a right? smaller hippo. They are real. I didn't make it up. But <laughs> if you Google or look at videos, they've become popular now, of course, with Fiona over at Cincinnati Zoo, who... Of course, needs all the attention, but pygmy hippos are just adorable. I just want to squish them, um, but they do require a little bit larger area, and man, they're messy. So the filtration <laughs> system in that sucker would have to be state of the art to get <laughs> to get it all cleaned out. Um, otherwise, I would just love to see us continue on with the master plan and bring back some of the animals that maybe people have made connections with in the in the past, uh, but in a in a way that is great for those animals and provides them the space and the resources that they need. So bringing back, we hope to have, you know, a a primate island here back at the zoo once again. Seamus, did you ever see our primate island back in the 50s and 60s? I I missed it. I was doing something else. Yeah, I was going to (laughs) say, me too. Um, But people have a lot of memories and connections with that. 
and of course the science and research behind the animals and what they need and, and things has of course grown in the last 50 years and so we hope to bring those back in a in a safe exciting way for these animals i would love to see us have some cat species back oh. So things like a cougar or a lynx, they're considered small cats when you're talking about kind of the, the cat hierarchy. Um, but again, done in a way that is the best for the animals, that we can care for them appropriately, but that we keep making those connections between really good past memories and forging ahead with new memories for the young ones that continue to visit. This is Inside Our Towns, the podcast about the people and places that make our communities great. Brought to you by Arconic. If it flies or drives, we are on it. And we're talking with Assistant Education Director Courtney Nave. Um, animals, especially the ones in the zoos, are not domestic animals. They don't always behave. So give me at least one or two stories of when the animals decided not to behave um, <laughs> that, you can, that you can tell us. Because I know what happens. I know you have stories. But... Oh. Maybe give me a couple of your favorites when it didn't go quite as planned. It does happen. And, you know, even though these animals that with us are under human care, domestication takes hundreds, thousands of years to kind of get that wild instinct out of those animals. And some of the animals in our farm are domestic, but most that we have are not. And so what visitors will see when they come, especially to the Wallaby Walkabout, is the double door entry and exit system. Our walkabout is unique because the animals are free to engage wherever they would like within there. People have to stay on a path, but those wallabies are able to hop over the, the, the wires and anywhere in that exhibit they would like, right up to the doors. So there has been, uh, there have been instances in the past where a big old gust of wind comes through and suddenly that wallaby has a direct line to freedom. <laughs> you see them book it out that gate. And once we had, it was a beautiful day. And the wallaby saw the wind gust open, took off, and wallabies at top speed, Seamus, can go 30 miles an hour. <laughs> so that wallaby would be gone. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way I can catch. And believe it or not, right outside the entrance, you walk a little bit, and there's a little grassy area, and we went, and that wallaby was just sitting amongst the flowers, just kind of having a great time, stopped itself, and the the zoo staff, we all got together. We kind of formed a perimeter, uh, and we were able to just kind of, she hopped herself right back in and was perfect. So it could have ended a lot worse than it did, but... Of course, the zoo has really strict and really important safety measures that we follow for these animals. Um, and so we make sure that we set them up for success. But when you're talking about, you know, cheeky little animals, let's talk about our porcupine for a minute. So okay. We have Polk, the North American porcupine. And for visitors, one of the top questions is, does do, is he going to shoot his quills at me? And no, that is a myth. Porcupines do not shoot their quills. They actually ha are barbed, and they have to stick into something to detach from the porcupine. Um, but like any animal, they've got good days, and they have days where maybe they're a little grumpy. We took our porcupine out to meet some kids at camp, and usually he walks right out onto a little padded table, and you can actually touch the porcupine, as long as you touch in the correct direction, <laughs> yes, <laughs> because it's a lot of really actually 
soft guard hairs, not quills. And that porcupine was not having it. And uh, all he would show the kids was his his rear end, essentially. <laughs> he would not let the kids see him anything other than, here's basically, here's my butt. And then we'd turn him, and he'd turn around again, and here's my butt. <laughs> we just we went with the flow, and it was fine, but... Being an educator, and then when you throw in animals and kids, I'll say flexibility is probably the most important word at the zoo. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so if people want more information on the zoo, and maybe you haven't been, and you probably haven't been in a year, so this is going to be a very busy year for you guys, but if they want more information on the different things that you guys do and all the things that you have planned, where's the best place for them to go get more information? Absolutely. So the best place is not Google, because sometimes Google does not have the most accurate information about ours. It's our website. So if you go to columbianparkzoo.org, all of the information is there. Uh, We are looking forward to a great summer. We actually have plans. As soon as the Memorial Island uh, renovations are complete, the train will once again be running. We have that beautiful train, yep. the Columbian Park Express. So we're anticipating late uh, June, early July for completion of that, and then that'll be back in action. And then right now we are contracting to get a beautiful carousel in place. We're hoping for the 2022 season. So again, that admission fee is going towards these continued improvements to the zoo and park and things that just make the experience take it from great to amazing when you come and visit. Inside Our Towns, the podcast, and our guest, Courtney Nave, Assistant Education Director at the Columbian Park Zoo, and again, columbianparkzoo.org. For more information, Courtney, thank you so much for taking the time, and you guys have a great season with all the animals. Seamus, we appreciate it. We plan on it. We hope everybody can come and visit. You've been listening to the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. For more, visit newhoffmedia.com.